Hello and welcome to week four of Takashi Miike Month. I'm your host as always, L. Jones, and joining me of course is my co-host, the Professor Mr. Stephen Palmer. I hear the weariness in your voice, mate. It's been a week. <laughs> you know, you know uh, there's probably some people out there who's like, oh, isn't he lucky? He gets to watch Miike all month. What a guy. What a lucky person he is. And it's like, no. No. I mean, obviously, <laughs> Phil, f- f- podcasting and film Twitter and all that often have months of doing things. You know, yeah. the, the most famous ones, probably what you're going to be doing next month and 30 Days of Horror. Although, yes. Um, 365 Days of Horror. But and, and I always have to seem to duck out of that. I did it once and I found mm. it um, quite onerous in the end and, and not, not much fun. Um, luckily, there aren't many directors you can do 30 days of. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, I, I do know there is so much of Mike's back catalogue is like Yakuza films and the like. I think I would struggle because I don't, I don't mind a Yakuza film, but I, I like them as punctuation, not as full sentences. The thing is, it's 30 days of, of uh, subtitled cinema. And apparently Mike can't make a movie under two hours. Which um yeah, it <laughs> it beats you down after a while. <laughs> so I watched like Shark Knight three D, like this week as well, and that's an hour and a half and it was like, What a treat that was. That just <laughs> flew by. See this is this is why I quite often binge on T V like half hour T V shows from the seventies and things like that because I can yeah. just turn my head I could just turn my brain off because you're right. Mike movies are all over two hours, and so many of the films we watch on this show actually are surprisingly long. Yeah. Um. You know, it's always a treat when you see it says 84 minutes and you think, oh, <laughs> yes. Um. But so, so, saying that, you know, I, I have I have one on the on the list for for the main show, mate. That's five hours long, but even I can't <laughs> I can't do that. Split that one up. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's really interesting when you uh, when you're obviously saying we're you know we're doing this as a fundraising exercise and people go, oh, just watching movies. That's not very difficult. <laughs> no, it's um. Oh I yeah, mean, it, um, it could be worse. I mean, that I can think of. Uh, you know, you could be watching movie bowl movies or something, couldn't you? You <laughs> could be watching the French New Wave, which would make me want to go and kill myself. <laughs> um, I did. I'd never gone on with the French New Wave. Got you can talk to me about but until you're blue in the face about the importance of Godard, and I will not get it. Ironically, though, I love the uh, cinema de look movement, which essentially followed on after mm. it and gave us the likes of Besson and movies like Diva. Um, I really enjoyed that particular uh, movement that really sort of inspired a lot of the cinema of like nineties going in forwards. So it's, it's the it's the sixties, the sixties. The problem with French New Wave is a lot of it's pl- is like politics based, so you've mm. got to be up on your history, yeah, to understand a lot of the statements being made. And then the other half of it is it's so bloody abstract that you're not sure they even have a point a lot of the time. And a, a, a lot of them seem very story light, but I think that's true of a lot of of art at that time anyway. Um, it's, it's a lot of style over substance. A lot of you know, you think think of even in, in like in American literature, people like Jack Kerouac. You know, I mean, not much happens in those books. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> Just, but but it but but it's it's got interesting imagery and styles of writing. Um, the other fella, who's the fella? Oh, crikey! Did all the cut up 
writing, and Cronenberg did na- Naked Lunch. He wrote Naked Lunch. Um, oh, you're talking about. Uh, I know. I no, I, it's, it's, is it Burrows? No, I can't remember who it was. Just but... a minute. I'll go on my shelf. Here. It's... <laughs> I can't remember who wrote Naked yeah. Lunch. It's William Burroughs. William Naked... Burroughs. That's what yeah. William S. Burroughs. Yes. Now, whilst, whilst he's not New Wave or anything, he's from that the, the artistry <laughs> that was being created during that sort of late 50s, 60s, early 70s time, which, again, you know, they're, they're interesting stylistically, um, but I, I don't find any of them terribly interesting stories. So I kind of know what you mean about the French New Wave. Um but then, of course, you know I love the Taiwanese New Wave, and I'll say you could watch Terrorizers 30 times in a row. <laughs> Maybe I'll find out if there's an actual plot to that movie. Um, but yeah, Naked Lunch. Naked Lunch is a sort of book that you buy and and pretend to read, much like Junkie, just to try and impress girls, isn't it? It was that, Catcher in the Rye. Um, no, Catcher in the Rye's good. That's the yeah, difference. That's, that's a nice short book, but not much happens in that either. You could... Um, I don't know, get, get yourself a copy of Betty Blue, as you talked about the other day. <laughs> yeah. Do people actually own that movie, or do they just own the poster and just like hanging on their dorm walls? I do own the movie, but I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, let's go with Zabriskie Point. And yeah. Anyway, come on. What what was the next movie on the list that you So, watched? it's funny we obviously, you know, talk about this clashing of styles and artistic whims. Because kicking things off uh, for this week, we start off with the happiness of the Katakuris. The hills are alive with the sounds of screaming. Mikkei's first crack at a musical. Um, as the Katakuri family decide to open a mountain inn, but find themselves incredibly cursed when all the guests start dying. Um, including a very unusual suicide and a sumo wrestler who crushes his girlfriend in coitus. Yeah. This is... This, again, is one of those Mikkei movies that made it across quite early on in mm. the in the, in the cinema extreme mode. Um, obviously, cover version. So it's, it's a remake of um, Kim Ji-Woon's Quiet Family, which is... It's a black that 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 the that's a black comedy. Um with um uh Choi Min Sik and Song Kang Ho are in that. So it's got a that's got a great cast with a great director. Um and you wonder why why remake it? And I imagine that, that Mike thought the same and decided to do this crazy musical with claymation and just outrages it to the max but manages to maintain a charm which a lot of his other outrageous stuff doesn't have it, it's 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 one of his most charming movies to my to my mind I, I really love it I really love the quiet family as well but yeah if you're gonna do a if you're gonna do a cover version don't do a note for note one. <laughs> do, well, do it Miki style. No, this is thing we've often talked about with Miki is like, does he ever turn down projects? And yes, Miki does turn down projects, but when if he's given a project, he always like looks at it of like, can I do something with this? And certainly when he was offered the chance to remake the Quiet Family, he clearly felt there was something there in that script, and. It, for the longest time, it was like the, just this curiosity on his filmography. I mean, obviously, you had Bear People in China, uh, which we're going to probably talk about next. 
week. Um, but no, when you look at what it was like surrounded by at this period, I mean, you obviously got things like Black Label Society, you've got um, like Food of the New Generation, you've got just a lot of violence at Yakuza movies, and then he has this quirky little musical, um, which I probably would have enjoyed a lot more had you not pointed out the fact that the little child doesn't know what she's doing. <laughs> so I, I found myself, I noticed it. And then I just found myself like honing in on her like a laser, like the whole film, because in the trailer they show like the one, probably one of the few times that she's in sync with the rest of the family with the like marching up the hill. Yeah, and um, yeah, and I was like, oh, that's that's really cool, isn't it? The little kids doing it, and then I, you watch the film, you realise, nope, that was just a fluke. I I don't remember telling you that, but yeah, I, I, yeah, it's um. It's a personal favourite, and but it's a it's it's a cult film. It's it's got cult, you know. You cut it in half, and the word "cult"s written through the middle of it, isn't it? Um, I know a lot of people can't get on with it at all. A lot of people. It also, you know, remember people at the time were seeing, you know, these films you were talking about. You know, this is this is the this is the guy that does audition, and this is the guy that does all those outrageous gangster film yakuza films and then this and 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 there's this and visitor q which are just not in the same (laughs) they're just different completely different genre i think a lot of people didn't like it they they sort of admired the artistry of it but maybe didn't get it um but yeah I, i i like it but i i i do appreciate people that don't i don't i do know where they're coming from Yep. Um, next, we went back to the outlaw period, uh, way back to 1996 for Fuda, the new generation. Um, another Miki's movies, which frustrating was never really given an ending. It ends on kind of a cliffhanger. Have you seen this one? Uh, I'm just thinking. I have seen it a long, long time ago. But I do remember I got back in back in the day, I got a book about I think it's called Tokyo Scope. Is it Tokyo Scope or Tokyo Shock? Oh you I'm trying to think actually because Tokyo Scope was that the BBC one? I think the book I thought it was called Tokyo Scope. I think I know the one you mean, yeah. Um which has basically it's it's but riding on the um there was a point to the story. It's riding on the coattails of sort of that that J horror um boom in that in sort of early 2000s and it's basically a it's a it's got a colorful cover but it's a black and white inside it's basically like a someone's website i think that's been pulled together and a lot of the films that it talks about other films that we've talked about you know the films of the time um tetsuo the iron man uh audition all, all those all those kind of cult films and then includes a bunch of Mika films of which Fudo the New Generation is one of them <laughs> um, but I don't and, and there's a couple of Fudo films aren't there there's three of them yeah there's back. I think there's a number two after this but neither of them were directed by Mika gotcha, gotcha. Um, and it's, it's so, like based on a manga but I, I so I remember back at the time thinking oh and, and I sort of hunted down the five or six Mika films that were in this and I remember watching it but i i don't seem to have it on dvd so i don't know how i watched it or if i maybe i watched it on a vcd or something like that or saw it somewhere um this and and in my head 
there's something weird about this film. Something weird happens, and I can't remember what it is. Is there like a cyborg or something in it? There's, there's, it's, or a yeah, Mafrodite. That's Fulmo Um This one is the one where the mob boss kills one of his uh, one of his sons to settle a business dispute, and the surviving son organizes his own sort of Yakuza gang to go and take right. revenge, um, which includes a girl who can shoot a dart out of her that's lady right. area. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, which is probably the one that if you ask people what they remember most about this film, it'd be that or the big giant um, Brazilian guy yeah. who like um, who just goes around like beating up <laughs> random Japanese people and is advised by a brothel owner that he's got to stop coming because he's too big for the girls. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, uh, I do. I do think I do remember this, um, and I think this was actually one of his first films that got sent over to the West. Because um, this so was the, on a real cheapy label. I want to say this was Tokyo Bullet that it was released mm. under, which makes me think as well that it was picked up after, like audition and and had um, made an impact. Because a lot of the early ones, this and Full Metal Yakuza. Like picked up by like minor labels, but they were still like trying to cash in on the Mike craze at that time because um, Tarzan Asia Extreme um, put out a bunch of Mike titles like Gozu and the Dead or Alive movies, and obviously everyone was just like, you know, oh Mike is the like the go-to guy for just like messed up stuff, and I think Foden in the New Generation is like one that really plays into that. Because, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't done on tartan, and I, I know I know it got, um, it got film festival action. I think it I think it was like one of his first ones because it predates audition, doesn't it, by a couple of years? Oh yeah, um, yeah. This is like ninety uh, six. Uh, yeah. So, Mikey's films were like floating around. They were floating around like on the film f- festival circuit. It's like curiosities mm. that would just sort of turn up, but audition was like the one which just like finally broke him out and sort of announced his arrival to the west really mm. um and i think because it earned the place in like all these scariest movies of all time list i think it only sort of furthered that reputation and helped him sort of become sort of this mainstream presence that he obviously is now mm. um so yeah, it's as I say, it was a revisit for myself because I'd not seen it in a long time, and it's the sort of movie that makes me kind of worry about whenever I dive into Mikey movies, which kind of does what I've learned like in the first few weeks where I've been seeing all this really great stuff, and it's must have just been from like the later Mikey period, and it's you know you watch like Blade of the Immortal as the God's Will, and they're just these really well put together films, and they're just so fun and enjoyable. And then you go back to something like Food of the New Generation. It's so rough and kind of grotesque and pushing the boundaries of taste. And you're like, oh, this is what I was worried about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, 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 yeah. I mean, I, so I think you're suggesting maybe I don't go out of my way to uh, rediscover it then. No, it did nothing for myself. I mean, obviously. I mean, as I said, it's, if you have to watch every sort of Yakuza movie that. Um, uh, Ricky Takeuchi has made. Mm. Then I mean, it's obviously got that because he um, shows up as as like a rival yakuza boss. But as as a film, it's not Mike's best. I mean, it's got those curiosity moments of like, oh look, it's the girl who can shoot the dart out of a 
<laughs> out of her vagina. Out of her um, <laughs> out of front bottom. Um, so, and yes, they even have like a period joke with it. It's like, which you just like this bloody dart. It's like, oh, I must be on my period. And it's like, yay. Um, so yeah, that did little to help my mood this week. Um, and sort of went double for quits, really, by checking out Shinjuku Tried Society. Okay. Off the, um, off the um, trilogy set, yeah. Yeah. This, again, I just... I do not get the appeal of this movie. I know there's a lot of people out there. And, I mean, it was, like, one of the first movies that Mikkei made in the Shinjuku sort of area, which kind of, like, became one of his, like, go-to locations. Mm-hmm. Because we see we see it in several of his other, other movies. But this one... Oh, it's so rough and it's it's got that sort of roughness and nobody's particularly a nice person kind of like when you watch um katano's um violent cop mm. is what i want to compare it to the most but yeah you basically got uh this cop who's sort of pursuing a chinese warlord who at the same time is having a fling with his brother um and it's as i said it's it just does nothing for myself i mean obviously it's part of the the trilogy which is followed up by the more superior rainy dogs and you've got ley lines which i've got also coming up next week so we're wrapping up a lot of trilogies yeah and obviously as i said so obviously we did an episode recently i don't know where we are in the release schedule so coming up or has been released um about um rainy dog um, which, you know, at the time I said I hadn't seen any of those three films before. Um, I really enjoyed Rainy Dog, though. The more, the more I think about it, the more I enjoyed it, actually. <laughs> I think, fun. yeah, when you think about it, it it cuts out a lot of those sort of dragon sections, such as, like, the brothel sequence, and mm. you kind of cut it down in your mind to just, like, those magical moments when they become, like, the family unit and yeah. the opening bits where he's sort of, like... Just the badass hitman in Taiwan, mm. um, and, and and the fact is, like you know, it's all Husu Sen's um, film crew, and it's a, it's again, it's like Mikey just operating in a different. I like I like it when he, he 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 gets challenged. So in that case, he's filming in Taiwan with a mostly Taiwanese um, supporting, uh, you know, a, a crew, but more used to working with a. Uh, master of slow cinema <laughs> mm. and and um and in and in the different environment and you know it makes you always wonder ah you know i wish me came out of film in america you know <laughs> just to see how 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 that would challenge him but anyway that's a different film altogether um this one i'm get i'm thinking probably less essential Again. It is less essential. I mean, it's on the Arrow player along with the other two films in the trilogy. So much like um Terraformers, which we talked mm. about in the last episode. You can watch it for the Arrow Player and, like, you know, not scratch it off your Mikael list that way. I don't personally feel that it's like one that you should be rushing out to add to your collection, even though I know it does have its fans who sort of like really like that sort of real grimy vision of uh, Shinjuku and the, where you've got these like triads that are, this triad warlord who's basically moving in trying to take over the Yakuza turf. But as I say, it does be it's it's just so grimy and 
I did. I think well, I can't remember who it was, but I had a discussion with someone this week, and it was like saying that it was like there's certain Mickey movies you just got to be in the right mood for them. Mm. And I think when you're binging thirty Mickey movies, those moods are few and far between. <laughs> you uh, you got to watch it no matter what sort of mood you're in. Um, mm. But uh, next up, I watched Crow Zero One and Crow Zero Two. Ah, you did the two for one. So I've never seen any of the Crows films. Okay. So um, let me, yeah. tell me what it's about. So Crow Zero is actually a prequel, so that's a bit of a change of pace because I didn't realise how many manga adaptations Mickey had done mm. until we started this month, and then you realise, oh, everything's an adaptation of a manga, which I guess makes sense because, you know, manga is the same as, like, adapting a book over in the West, really. Mm. It's It's a completely different different field than we sort of view it where it's sort of like this niche thing in japan it's it's the same as level of like if you're writing a book um it's just a different different uh, form of expression but um yeah crow zero is set as a prequel to the events of the manga so you know well done Mike for branching out a bit there um <laughs> <laughs> sarcastic at all um and basically, you got the students of uh, and High, uh, who are this the old boy school, which is been taken over by the delinquents, and the staff apparently don't bother to teach them anything. So the gangs just basically battle out amongst each other for like control of the school. Um, amongst them, you've got the son of a yakuza boss, who's transferred into the school, and his father basically says that if you can take over the school then I'll make you my successor because when he attended the school, he never achieved this goal and it's always, always sort of like dogged him. So he hopes his son's going to achieve this goal that he, he never achieved. And that's basically what the film follows as he unites all the gangs um, to form this army to take on like the big boss of the, the school with this epic brawl, which is like a 80 versus 100 brawl in the rain. Uh, think Gangs of New York. I gotcha. But in your high school. So it's kind of a change of pacing already because when we think of like, you know, the violent girl gang movies that it's like say in high school, um, it's always like, you know, the female gangs who are going like crazy and knocking students off the roof and whatnot. And here we get to see a bunch of pretty boys beating the living tar out of each other. Yeah, it's um again, I haven't seen it, but <laughs> I, I guess it feels like um, it feels like an overtop version of um, things like the Korean movie Friend. There's a bunch of Korean movies which are all based at high school, but with proto gangsters involved. And, yeah. And and, and and I'm pretty certainly I can't. I mean, Friend. Friend's actually getting a a, a a new release soon, actually, which is something we better keep an eye on. But yes, um, yeah, it sounds all right. How do they switch out to two movies? Ah, <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> By the second uh, film, which is set basically about eight months after the release of eight months after the events of the first one, so you got our lead man Genji and his crew are basically finding themselves. Even though they they beat the the big boss and essentially took over the school, Genji's having like doubts over his leadership, and there's this one guy that he can't beat who has like no alliances to anyone whatsoever. At the same time, um, one of the former gang members has just been relieved, reduced, uh, 
been released from Juvie Hall, um, where he was uh, sent after he killed a gang leader from one of the rival schools called uh, Hosting Academy. Now, compared to the school that they attend, Hosting Academy, they don't have any gangs. They just have all the students who are united as like one army of killers. And they're all, they've all shaved their heads, all in like white. It's just a real great looking thing. And obviously, his return deletes this truce that the two schools have had. So basically, the two schools are now on a collision course with each other. And he has to, Genshi basically has to try and unite the masses to uh, face down uh, the students of uh, Houghton. And uh, yeah, it's it's good. If you enjoyed the first one, it's just basically clear another spoonful of the same. But, you know, if you like pretty boys beating the tar out of each other, then I think you'd like this one. <laughs> and I think there's a, like a, a band called the Street Beats or something who just got like real, so like 1950s hair. Right. Um, and you've also got this this K-pop starlet in the well, a J-pop starlet in there, should I say? Um, played by uh, Misa Kuroki. Okay. Who's in there just purely for crumpet reasons? It seems. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a lady, a lady idol. Yeah, 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 she's a lady. She doesn't really have any overwhelming importance on there, <laughs> other than in the first one. There's a scene where they're trying to recruit this gang member and he has no luck with the ladies whatsoever he's kind of like um uh like jay from jay and silent bob right he's just basically he's just all over the shop trying to pick people up and they uh arranged to take him on this group date to try and win win favor with him and of course it goes horribly wrong so but uh yeah she's in there just to provide something pretty to look at and to sing some nice songs Okay. But in terms of like plotline, she doesn't really do much. So I suppose we should be refreshed of that, the fact that she's not like the usual damsel in distress trope. Mm. Um, although it is interesting, the second one. In the first one, we have like student, we have like teachers there who are basically trying to hold some sort of organization down. Right. By the second one, the teachers are nowhere to be seen. <laughs> it's, it's still the same rundown school, but. This, the gang's just basic. I don't think it, they just realise that no one's ever going to teach these kids anything unless it's like how to beat the tar out of your your fellow students. Uh, oh, um, but yeah, it's it, they're fun, right? So um, I, I I've got in my head now what I imagine. So you've done your Mike month, well yeah. done, and you got your. But I, I, I've been trying to think: is there a month I could do like one day? And and I'm I'm thinking of a back to school month because I've just thought about Friend and all those other careers. There's a whole bunch of horror movies set in, um, you know, Asian horror movies set in schools. I've got Stephen Chow's Fight Back to School trilogy. Yeah. And now I've got the two Crow, Crow Zero movies. I think, I think I could do that and have an entertaining time each time. So maybe next September you'll have to remind me. And Back <laughs> to School, or August. It would be, back to it? School. Back to School month. <laughs> but no, um, no, they, they sound interesting. Um, but again, um, not films i remember getting a western release i could be wrong you can find them on youtube right and they're on they're on um kiss asia i want to say right um so if you're in the states enjoy (laughs) (laughs) we're locked out over here in the uk so you can get your vpn out gotcha um or get creative 
<laughs> we should get we should get some VPN company to sponsor, shouldn't we? Because... <laughs> I'm sure that would be fucking gangbusters, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, last couple of picks now. Um, next up, we've got what I've told is a Yakuza epic. I have to disagree. Um, and that's uh, his remake of Graveyard of Honor. Oh, yes. Um, so, Mr. yeah. Mr. Brooks was talking about this. Yeah, um, I posted the link on the Facebook page for um, for David's review because he reviewed both the original one from 1975 directed by uh, Kenji Fukusatsu, who, let's not forget, gave us Battle Royale. Indeed. And he also directed the original version of this uh, this movie. Um, as I said, I watched the 2002 remake, and there's a number of people out there who like give this movie like five star reviews. There's like a write up on Mubai about how it's this gangster epic that like spawn, spans era. Which yes, it's a long movie, and yes, it spans eras. Um, not an epic in the way I would say so. Hmm. Um, basically, it follows this uh, Yakuza loose cannon called Ishu Matsu, who starts off as a dishwasher in a bar, and he basically saves one of the local Yakuza godfathers when um, a rival gang member bursts in and starts shooting everyone up, and he bashes him over the head with a chair and is like, hey, knock it off. <laughs> and... Um, the Godfather like brings him into the ranks. He makes him one of the accuser for saving his life. The problem being that, as I said, he's an absolute loose cannon. And he's a real scuzzy bastard as well at the same time. He amasses gambling debts. He beats up rival family members. And when he's not doing that, he basically just spends a lot of time abusing his wife. And this is the real sticking point for myself with the film because it's really uncomfortable um, domestic violences mm. and just what this bastard uh, puts her through and then he gets hooked on heroin and drags her into that as well mm. and at the same time his fellow Yakuza members are sort of tied to their code of honor so they can't just like give him a slap or get rid of him and they're constantly trying to find ways to just keep him out of the way but he for keeps finding new and unique ways to like cause problems and we follow it over the course of like this 30 years because we start with him throwing himself off the roof of the prison and we sort of flash go right back to him being recruited by the Yakuza and as I said it's just a very grim sort of sort of picture um, there's a scene where he escapes from prison by drinking uh, curdled milk um, so he gets taken to hospital, um, and all while he's like escaping, he's throwing up. He's got chronic diarrhea. There's a scene where he's uh, got diarrhea oozing out the leg of his trousers, which other characters then slip on. Because uh, that's funny, isn't it? <laughs> um, he has a moment where um, one of the one of the yakuza basically tries to shop him into a cop who looks like um, the Japanese version of Robbie Coltrane. Right. Because uh, I guess they didn't have Anthony Wong money for this film, so. But um, they're doing a raid on his apartment, and he's like there on the roof in his underwear, just like <laughs> constantly shooting at this raiding police force, like balancing around on his um, his banister in his underwear, and somehow he still manages to escape. So, 
it's I know it's got its fans, but I'm not one of them. But uh, again, it's an Arrow player, so you can go and check it out there. So yeah, I I, I hadn't really twigged. Of course, it's a it's another cover version, isn't it? Um, but not as. <sighs> so some of the guy. So this is the this the original is is the same director that the Battles of Honor and Humanity. Did, yeah, he Battle yeah. Royale. Um, and the like, um, and if I remember the stuff, yeah, very differently style-wise to anything I remember Mike's done. Obviously, though, we have spoken in the past. You know, last episode, well, this episode, we've looked at Happiness at the Katakuris, which is a wacky cover version of a of a of a completely different style movie. And we spoke at length last episode about his Thirteen Assassins and Harry Carey, which are also cover versions of previous movies, but is it called a cover version when you when you when you do a remake? It's just a remake. I think it's just yeah. Yeah. So I think it's something. I think it's something he's 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 certainly done before. This will probably be his first Graveyard of Honor predates. I'm guessing it predates Happiness of the Katakuris. No, Graveyard of Honor is 2000. And is it really two? It's a real late. This is what's surprising because by two thousand and two, we assume that you know Mike's on to making more mainstream mainstream projects, and mm. I think because this is the the thing where he's obviously aiming for his like Yakuza epic with this this movie, but at the same time, it's got a lot of sort of elements of that outlaw period in it. So, I think if you're a fan of like the more rougher films of Mike, I think you you will probably enjoy this more than I did and maybe you've got a stronger stomach for like man on woman violence and as I was explaining because we had the discussion over gentleman's guide for uh, midnight cinema I said I have no problem with like man woman violence in like terms of when we watch like action cinema and kung fu cinema because it's balanced and when you look at it in a more in this sort of term it's as it's so very clearly unbalanced because this guy's just an absolute brute who's just like I mean, he maritally rapes his wife. He beats her up. It's just you just feel so sorry for this, uh, for her throughout this movie, and it's just very difficult to to sit there and watch this happen over and over again. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a really good performance by uh, Narumi Aramori, who uh, plays his his wife, and you just just watching this sort of delicate flower get crushed by this uh, gorilla is just really rough sort of viewing and you're just waiting for someone to off him up but as one of the one of his uh, sort of fellow Yakuza members says it's sort of like his um, soul died a long time ago his body just refused to accept it hmm. and that's I think the best analogy of what this character is he's just constantly just going forward he has no sort of qualms or concerns about any of his actions he's just constantly just pushing forward and um spiraling ever more deeper into this world of garbage so okay so fun i don't think i don't think i'll be checking that one out gotta be honest with you i mean we've talked before about certainly in hong kong cinema there's a very uncomfortable nature towards violent acts towards women sexual or otherwise um, Japanese cinema has a bit of that, although you know, in, in some dramatic circumstances, 
it, it can make sense and you know it's part of the story that's being told and there's usually some kind of morality around it um but i think you know i think if it's too graphic if it's too exploitative which it sounds like it probably is here then yeah I, i'm 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 with you i, I find it a, diff, a really difficult watch and that does color my experience with a movie hmm. um but you know there's people out there who do really who just like rate it really highly and you know all the more proud to them but for myself it was just like a real 2.5 star rated yeah. experience so real fun when you're in the gym though and you've got that one on <laughs> Why is it whenever you're in the gym you think oh I can get like the start of this movie out and we'll be done before anything bad happens <laughs> and it's like you think you think oh I'm safe you're doing your crossfit whatever and then suddenly you have like some real brutal scene comes on you like oh my god are so you watching this on your phone or an iPad or something are you? I watch it on my the, phone I'm, I'm not on the Nordic trainer like <laughs> yeah pretty much I like uh, I like being on the stairs or the uh, cross trainer that sort of thing I'm not one of these people who like so blatantly watches TV they're like you know, you see the the old the old guy in the corner who sat there watching TV and latching over the younger uh, young ladies of the gym or uh, uh, stuff. I just have it on my phone, and that's that's all I need. Okay, I mean, I mate, I haven't been to a gym for thirty years. I don't even know what they're like anymore, but I, I am aware of the trope of of, of having things on your on lots your phone of, whilst doing work while doing lots a workout. Of guys whipping you with a towel. And, Asking yeah. to if you need help lifting things up. And it's I, I assume that's what it's like still, right? It... <laughs> it's, it's a bunch of guys in um, stripy bathing suits picking up large triangular weights and putting them down again while doing tumbles on the stony ground. Right. It's like, eggs and ham, man, eggs and ham. <laughs> um, but ending out this uh, recap, we ended on a lighter note um, with Yataman from 2009. Yes! <laughs> Finally! <laughs> We've topped and tailed with films I've seen and that oh, I remember okay. seeing. <laughs> um, Yataman is a superhero movie uh, based on the anime series of the same name, which ran for 108 episodes, none of which made it over to the UK. So I had no idea who or what Yataman was going into this movie because uh, this is a rewatch myself so um but you know it features giant mecha and colorful superheroes and a henchman who wants to be buried in the all the girls in the world which leads to a really interesting visual where he's buried up to his neck in just gorgeous schoolgirls while he tickles the feet of one of them um <laughs> But no, this is a really fun movie. I really enjoy it. It's, it's mad as a box of frogs, as uh, Stephen might say. But <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I say. No, it's um, I mean, I, I I'm not aware of Yataman as a um, as a thing. So I'm not. I don't know how it steps on the. Uh, I, I don't know how fans of the show will feel about it. But as Mike's take on um. Those those oh, sort of tonkatsu movie uh, tonkatsu TV shows is that the right word for it tonkatsu I think it is tonkatsu um, yeah that's it yeah so uh, special tonkatsu effects shows food. I think I think a tonkatsu is when you cover it in breadcrumbs and deep fry it but yes these sort of these sort of sort of dress dress up dress up shows with with mechas and stuff and and then they get brought over to the west and get slightly re-edited and 
turn into things like Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So as 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 a as Mike's version of those those homage to Saturday morning TV shows from the eighties and nineties and and earlier, if you think about Astro Boy and the like, I guess. Um, I just think it's a huge laugh with a whole bunch of wink wink nudge nudge adult content in there as well. <laughs> it's, it's 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 not for kids. <laughs> well, it, it it isn't. It isn't. It's yeah. it walks that line between them and mm. Mika. So when you look at like how Christopher Nolan directs a Batman movie, where everything's like grounded in, in realism, which is great. Mika just goes, and we saw this with Ace Attorney. It's sort of like he just goes the most literal approach possible. So he just transfers all these characters from the anime into the film world, and you have like really inspired moments such as like the bad guys they have these like get rich schemes so they launch like a um a wedding school called Doro Mary to uh help fund the construction of their robot bride um and they also have opened like a Yosh sushi style restaurant to film their mecha squid yep so um I just the only grab I had is that there's like a trio of bumbling crooks in this that we learn more about than the actual main heroes. And I think it's just I guess Mickey just assumed that we knew who Yataman was and, and what his deal was, so there's no point in really going over it again and you know, for us folks in the West, maybe yes, go over it a bit. Yeah, it's um I'm just having a look because I've got the DVD, I've got Blu-ray or DVD or something of this, and I was intrigued who released it. And in my head, I had Third Window Films or Terracotta or someone like that. You know, the people that did like, um, for love's sake. Yeah. Um, turns out it's Eureka. <laughs> well, Although not with their, not with their um, modern branding. Um, yeah. I was really surprised. You know, the sort of masters of cinema. Um brands that they do um very unlike them uh, now unavailable of course but uh yeah it's uh i i think it's just charming i i put it up there i like for love's sake there's this era of this for love's sake um ace attorney i'll put in the same box as well it's these sort of these just charming commercial films based on other properties. So this is like a TV show, for love's sake, the manga. Um, what's the other one? I was just, uh, Ace Attorney, obviously, Nintendo 3DS game. Of yeah, and you've got like um, JoJo's uh, Bizarre Adventure, which is obviously based on the very popular manga, or animation. And, 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 and arcade game as well. Um, but yeah, the, he, just, he just does these things so well. And there's a... There's, there's a there's, you know, are the special effects the greatest in the world? No, but are they on the original show? Probably not. Is it there for kids and adults alike? You know, is it, was it commercially successful in Japan? Yes, it bloody was. Yeah. Um, is it going to be when Mike passes away? Are we going to say everyone must go and watch Yataman? It's his secret. Um, it's, it's the hidden <laughs> gem of his of his um his cinematic CV. That's no the myth I'm going to be pushing. <laughs> I don't care about you, but I'm going to just make sure everyone watches Yadaman. It's just be like, hey, you want to you want to see some real secret Mike? Yeah, <laughs> go watch go watch Yadaman. 
This yeah, is all about. I, th- I just think it's they're the films that don't get talked about enough for me. Um, the, the, you know, all those all those gangster films, audition, um, uh, various other ones that people talk about all the time, mm. and things like Yataman of people look down their nose at them because of what they are and who the audience is and the fact that it's a, clearly a work for hire but it's they're just charming and we i you know i don't know about you but i get to see a lot of these live action sort of uh manga remake i know it's not a manga remake but you know what i mean these these live action anime and manga and uh, remakes coming from japan and they're all over long and they're all charmless i'm thinking of the loop in the third one i saw few years ago i just managed to turn it into something really dull and boring really well made but dull and boring whereas mika even at his most commercial can just bring a charm to things how much of this is him mate i don't know how much of it is his assistant director and the people that he works with i don't know i i I do have a feel that there's i do wonder sometimes how much Mike puts into some films, you know what I mean? <laughs> That's <laughs> how much there is this 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 Mike gang that are making things on his behalf. Wait, you think I it's like know. James Patterson? I was thinking exactly that. He or, just um, like wafts in and adds a little bit of the special sauce. Or um, what's the fella called that did Buffy? Uh, oh, Joss Whedon. Joss Joss Whedon. Um, has a similar thing. There's 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 a there's, there's a couple of people, Fiona Watson and, and another one. Like certainly when he was writing comic books, he wasn't writing a word of it <laughs> after the first few. But it got people that do stuff in his style and know enough about his. Uh, obviously, he's a he's a bad person. We're not allowed to talk about it anymore. But you know, there there are people like to talk that, about the art. Yeah, um, that that have have an have an entourage which are able to put things under the brand and I have a feeling there's a bit of that about Mike. Um the mole song films, again I don't know if you'll be able to get round to watching any of them, but they're both like this. They're just they're just charming live action um manga. Uh larger than life, colourful films um that you maybe could show your kids, but I suggest you don't <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Nice, nice. I'm really glad. I'm really glad you managed to fit that in because that was a pretty grim week. Uh, between was... that, uh, you know, with, yeah. with, with Katakuris and that on the outside, you had a pretty a pretty grim week in there. Oh, well, Katakuris, I I need to go back and rewatch because I was I'm not sure I completely followed everything that was going on in that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, Crow Zero, Crow Zero one and two are, are fun, um, but yeah. Graveyard of Honor was uh, was a little point. And I'd seen Yasuman before. I'd bizarrely seen it on Mumbai. Really? Uh, yeah, in Mumbai had it as part of their role in 30. And I was like, I just like, whenever like a Mika movie, or basically whenever anything from Asian cinema came across in Mumbai and like the Rolling 30, I would like make an effort to watch it. And um, yeah, that was one of those more random ones that they've had on there. I'm not sure if it's still on. Their streaming catalogue, but yeah, that's why I watched it. Ah, that's, that's I mean, to find Miko films on there is is not that unusual. Um, you know, one of the one of the issues I do have with Mumbai is it's a little um, snobbish. Um, they look down at us and they. Clip there, there, their is, there is there is there is there is a little bit of 
cinema snobbery around it. But I think they... I think oh, for, for there are a lot of lovely deep cuts for directors that you'll never have heard of. Yeah. But when it's directors that you will have heard of, I don't think they've got a terribly great curation going on. Um, there was the Hang, the Hang, the Hang Sang Su films I didn't feel which is when I first got that you know I was really excited and sort of well there's three films and yeah one of them's a great and two of them you one of them's one you've never heard of and one of them just a new one um things think things like that there's not like it's it's very hard to go deep into a director on Mumbai um there's very rarely more than three films from somebody and usually they're a real weird bag but on the other hand you know something like yeah a man will cheer it up um I'm just having a look now to see if it's still available. Uh, not currently playing. That's a shame. But now you maybe want to go and have a look. Are any of his films playing? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's been a while since I had um, a Mubai subscription, so I don't know what's currently on there. Though it's a lot bigger than it used to be. So Yeah, no, I'm just... Got, they've had, to be fair, they've had uh, they've had quite a lot of them. I'm seeing Great Yoko Wars, I can't possibly be on it though. <laughs> oh, because it's a brand new film about to come out. Uh, Mika, yeah, Mika's latest film they're advertising. Yeah, it's hard to tell because obviously they just list all his films. Um, not whether they're showing them or not until you until you jump into them. I was a bit sad to see that the mole song wasn't on there, but hey ho. Um. Right, yeah, no, I think okay, good. One more week to go, I think. Yep, we're on the last seven days as of this recording, so. And I know, I know that you've been saving a couple because I know there's a couple that we've talked about that you're definitely going to watch that you haven't yet. So. Um, yeah, Arrow Player announced that uh, Great Yokai War is going to be heading to them in October. Yep. Cheers, guys. Yeah. <laughs> so that's part of a box set of all the yokai films there's a couple from the 60s okay um i don't know if they're doing the box set or not because it's just because um all i got was the trailer and it it's sort of like when you look at other streaming services who phone in for like halloween and then you look at the trailer for october and it's like what the hell is this no it's a really it's it's a weird the the reason is is that mike's latest film is a sequel to great yokai war um I forget what it's called. It's called um, the Great Yokai War Guardians. So, and so Great Yokai War is—it's uh, basically a kids' film, <laughs> um, and most people—well, not most, many people, maybe not us, but many people regard it as the point where he went commercial. He made a kids' film for a big studio. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to be reviewing it soon, so I'm not going to—I'm not going to talk too much about it um and hopefully maybe we'll be able to get you watching it soon but um uh, yeah th- th- there's a series of films a couple of them from the 60s i can't remember one of them basically so he's done a remake it's another cover version yeah of of that but now he's doing his own one or well, it's it's out so that's kind of exciting because he's really he's really dropped down you know his output last year. I think he only put a TV show out. I don't think he did a film. I don't. I think this is his first feature since First Love, which was 2019. Okay. Could be wrong. 
I know he's done like a one of those short, you know, added a short film to a, a collective piece. Um, but yes, I think um, Pretty Certain First Love was his last film. He did a he did a TV show, Love Petrina, which looks a huge laugh as well. <laughs> but uh, you know, gone are the days when he's been putting six films out in a year. I think so. I think it's uh, well. Thing I don't know how much has the lockdown slowed him down. So mm, no, it's been it's been it's been going down to two for the for the last one. And then he's done weird films like Lion Standing Against the Wind, which is well, I'll let I'll let you look it up, but it's <laughs> it's not. It's about a Japanese man in Africa. And it's a drama. Um, just unlike anything else in or around it yet that 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 sandwich between he did the yakuza apocalypse which i detest but i think you might like and terraformers he's done this this very straight drama so he's he's still at it he's still at these weird uh, he's he's, you can't pin him down (laughs) even more so since he's gone mainstream in some ways interesting anyway there you go one more week to go good luck Yes. So, yeah, with just seven days left uh, of our 30 Mickey movies in 30 days. Um, hope you join us all next week as we do our final rundown. If you wish to donate and help our co- charity cause this year, which is um, Marvel's Meltdown's Family Centre, you can do through our Just Giving page. So far, we have raised £40, which is 40% of our, our uh, target goal. So we're really happy with that. So uh, that will be going over to them um, soon uh, but uh, as I said you can find all the links uh, in the episode description you can follow us on Facebook, we're on Twitter we're on Instagram, you can also check out our blog which is asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com where we've got more great reviews, we've got the anime blog we've got Dark Celebration Cinema, we've got the mixtape we've got our full archive uh, of episodes and if that wasn't enough you can also check out our chapter by chapter breakdown of Battle Royale which is also on this feed or by looking up Battle Royale Podcast but until next time thank you to my co-host Stephen pleasure as always sir and we'll be back next time with another Mickey recap but until then good night did you hear any bleep